Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, February 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, the Iowa caucuses take place this evening and candidates have made their final appeals. Fourth quarter fundraising and spending figures have been released. A couple of sour notes in Iowa. The qualifying thresholds for the ninth Democratic debate on February 19th and the very brief impeachment update. It's four days until the 8th Democratic National Committee candidates debate, eight days until the New Hampshire primaries, and 274 days until the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Today's mainstream news is going to be dominated by Iowa and impeachment. As both the Democratic caucuses are taking place in that first-in-the-nation Midwest state and the impeachment trial wraps up in D.C., As always, impeachment comes at the tail end of the show, so let's start with Iowa. I think this voter in Iowa summed up the current tension among the leading candidates and within the Democratic Party. Lisa Lehrer of the New York Times quotes Sarah Curtin DeLara, a teacher from Coralville, Iowa, quote, I'm torn between do you vote for what you really want or do you vote for what you think can happen, end quote. The caucuses begin at 7 p.m. in Iowa in Central Time, which is 5 Pacific and 8 Eastern. The first results may be in as early as 30 minutes later, and more results, but not complete ones, by 10 p.m. in Iowa. That's 8 Pacific and 11 Eastern. A quick refresher. Sorry, one more time, but fast. Supporters gather at nearly 2,000 precincts and physically cluster. The first alignment picks out candidates with 15% or more of those present. Those votes can't be changed and those caucus goers may leave. The remaining sub-15% attendees talk among themselves. In a second, final alignment, they pledge to either an existing candidate in the precinct who exceeded the threshold or reassemble under the banners of remaining candidates who can then pass 15%. They can also leave without supporting a candidate. That reduces votes cast, but doesn't let them help pick the ultimate precinct-level candidate. This time around, the precincts are calculated out for a final figure of statewide pledged delegates to the DNC National Convention. Iowa has 41 of those. In past caucuses, less information was released, and the focus was almost entirely on the final delegate number. This time around, there's more granular information, including caucus vote totals, that will be released. There's a clump of five at the top in several recent polls. That's Senator Bernie Sanders, former Vice President Joe Biden, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Senator Amy Klobuchar. Some of this more granular information could become talking points for candidates who finish poorly in delegate counts but capture double-digit quantities of caucus votes. Turnout is a big question. In 2008, a record 240,000 Iowans caucused. In 2016, just 171,000 people showed up. Analysts note that among leading candidates, Sanders would benefit most from a big turnout. Stalwart caucus goers who turn out regardless tend older, and Biden draws more of his support from older voters. Sanders has seen an amazing response from the 18 to 35 crowd, as well as Latino voters, a small but fast-growing percentage of Iowa's population. As CNN noted, Sanders waged his campaign in Iowa with a clear proposition that higher turnout among working-class, young, and Latino voters would all but guarantee victory. Latinos only make up about 7% of the state's population, but the community skews younger, so as seen in the polls, likely towards Sanders, and could potentially provide the boost he needs in what is expected to be an extraordinarily tight final count, end quote. Each candidate has strategically targeted different demographics in the state to bring voters out. 
Warren went to the suburbs, the key nationally to the big reversal in the House. Suburban voters, more specifically suburban women voters, led that change, and Warren hopes to motivate them into caucuses on her behalf. While Warren used to avoid gender as a selling point for her campaign, she has pivoted to rally with it to emphasize her electability. She used the seventh presidential debate to make that point, and it was one of her closing arguments in Iowa. Last Sunday, she said, And that whole thing about women, let's just be clear. This is not 2016. When Donald Trump got elected, the world changed. The day he was inaugurated, the world changed. And then the very next day, it changed again. The biggest protest rally in the history of the world. And what's happened since then? Guys, we just have to face this. Women candidates have been outperforming men candidates in competitive elections ever since. We took back... We took back the house. We took back the we took back the house. We took back state houses around this country because women ran for office and women showed up to make those elections winnable. Buttigieg and Biden shifted the later part of their campaigning to the eastern side of Iowa, which tends more conservative. Buttigieg in particular went after voters who will be key in swing states. Those who voted once or twice in general elections for Obama then turned to President Donald Trump in 2016. Buttigieg said recently in a county Obama won twice and Trump picked up in 2016, quote, regardless of how you voted before, what party, if any, you belong to, you belong here, end quote. Klobuchar is aimed at a combination of strategies. She visited every one of Iowa's 99 counties and said it was clear that no other candidate had come close. On Saturday, she said, quote, I see a coalition that is much bigger than what some people see. I see fired up Democrats and I see people in rural and suburban and I want to bring them with us and we really need to bring with us in this general election, end quote. Let's not ignore entrepreneur Andrew Yang. He had 78 campaign events, more than any other Democratic candidate. His polling shows he's unlikely to capture a single delegate, but he is not sitting back and spending money on ads in lieu of the groundwork. He, Biden, billionaire Tom Steyer, and Buttigieg have had the distinct advantage of not being confined to the Senate impeachment trial, too, although Sanders' standing has only risen over Biden's in multiple Iowa polls during the trial, despite senators not being allowed to speak in their chamber. There's 100% certainty that no predictive model or pundit can accurately determine what will happen tonight. Because of the candidate clumping, it's highly probable, however, that there will be no clear-cut sense of victory. Here's some potential of what might happen. Warren, as a top second pick among Sanders supporters, could pick up Sanders votes in caucuses in which he doesn't reach the 15% threshold. However, given his statewide polling, it's plausible he hits the threshold in most caucuses. Biden is in the same boat and could pick up Buttigieg and Klobuchar backers in the final alignment. Warren's statewide polling is right around 15%, but there's no per se average caucus. So she'll be viable in some and not in others. In many in which she's viable, Sanders also will be viable. However, Warren is a top pick among lower-ranked candidates. That could lead to her hitting 15% viability in more caucuses than the first alignment will show. Klobuchar might achieve viability in only a relatively small number of caucuses, but her statewide polling indicates that she may have the most votes to shift. As a moderate, her backers are likelier to shift to Biden or, if slightly more progressive, to Buttigieg rather than to Sanders or Warren. Buttigieg, like Warren, is near that 15% viability statewide, so just like Warren, we're not sure what's going to happen in each individual caucus. The end result could be something like Sanders, with the most delegates, but not close to a majority. Four candidates, and maybe five, picking up at least one delegate, and another candidate, possibly Biden, declaring a raw votes victory. 
Meanwhile, Buttigieg, Warren, and Klobuchar may be able to point to significant percentages in swing counties or conservative counties offering proof of having the right moxie for the big fight. The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Plexiderm. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag, thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and, boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TriPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter VOICES at TryPlexiderm.com. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need Home Title Lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. One indicator of how much runway a candidate still has to take off when they're trailing is the money they've raised and have on hand. The latest disclosures filed Friday show good to great cash positions at the end of 2019, but given the last month of campaigning, these required filings don't paint a picture of what's happening today, but it's still a good gauge combined with campaign donations to see the pace at which campaigns are working. Biden raised and spent $23 million in the fourth quarter, Sanders' fundraising was at another level, though. He raised over $34 million and spent $50 million in the last quarter of 2020, but still had $18 million left in the bank as of December 31st. Warren spent nearly $34 million while raising almost $22 million in fourth quarter. She had almost $14 million in cash at the end of the year. Sanders and Warren received the majority of their donations that quarter in the form of contributions of $200 or less. Judge raised over $25 million and spent over $34 million in fourth quarter and had $14.5 million left at year's end, while Klobuchar spent just over $10 million of $11 million raised in the last quarter of the year, finishing with $5 million in cash. 4.5 million people by year's end had contributed to one or more Democratic presidential candidates since the start of this election season. Of course, billionaire Mike Bloomberg led the fundraising pack, bringing in $200 million in fourth quarter, all from himself. Tom Steyer was second by that mark, bringing in $157 million. 
about 98% of it from his own pocket. In all of 2019, Sanders raised $109 million, 56% from small donors. Warren brought in $89 million, 53% from small donors. Buttigieg, $77 million, 44% from small donors. And Biden, $61 million, with 36% from small donors. Biden entered the race in April 2019. Yang and Klobuchar raced impressive amounts too, $31 million and $29 million. There's enough focus on campaign gaffes and missteps that I have tried to avoid mentioning them. But there are two ones that uh, aren't exactly campaign gaffes, but they fall sort of in that category that are significant enough to go over. First, the Des Moines Register and CNN had to abandon their critical final Iowa poll conducted by Seltzer and Company after a Buttigieg supporter told that campaign about a call they had received. In it, the poll caller listed potential candidates and, the supporter said, omitted Buttigieg's name. The campaign got in touch with Jay Ann Seltzer, who owns the company that runs the poll. Looking into it, her company found an error. The New York Times notes, One operator had apparently enlarged the font size on their computer screen, perhaps cutting off Mr. Buttigieg's name from the list of options, according to two people familiar with the incident who did not have permission to speak about it publicly. End quote. Because the poll software rotates candidates' names randomly for each survey, Buttigieg's name may have been clipped from the bottom in one call and other candidates in additional calls, or, based on line wrapping and other details, other candidates might not have been omitted in other rotations. This is a classic user experience failure. Either the setting shouldn't have been available to change, or the polling app should have provided an option to allow participation by people with varying vision abilities. Because the polling company, CNN, and the Des Moines Register were not able to determine if the issue were isolated or precisely how it occurred, they opted to dump the poll. Buttigieg's senior campaign advisor, Liz Smith, tweeted, quote, We applaud CNN and the Des Moines Register for their integrity, and tweet. FYI, New York Magazine posted a lengthy profile on Saturday about Smith, who at 37 has already had a remarkable career as a political consultant and campaign advisor, and is credited with being a key factor in Buttigieg's rise to national prominence. Check the show notes for the link. A number of reporters and organizations also complimented the groups on their action. The poll, conducted for 76 years, is considered key in Iowa as it's the last major one before the caucuses and because those attending often haven't firmly made up their mind. Polling can affect how they vote and horse trade to aim towards an outcome they want, as that voter might who I quoted from the New York Times earlier in the podcast. Conspiracy theories abounded. Yang said at a campaign event, quote, There are a lot of rumors flying around, and one of the rumors is that we did really, really well in it, end quote. There's no evidence of that, and the poll could have benefited Buttigieg if it had shown a rise in his rankings from a statistical tie from number three with Warren, with Sanders seemingly edging out number one in polling and Biden not too far behind at place number two. Both Yang and Sanders supporters flooded Twitter with a release the poll hashtag, although none had any additional information to warrant the release of a potentially invalid poll. The second issue was less consequential, but an oddball situation for the start of the primary season and a big foot in the mouth. Former Secretary of State John Kerry, who lost election in the race for president to George W. Bush in 2004, on February 2nd, an NBC News analyst overheard Kerry in the lobby restaurant of a hotel in Des Moines saying, quote, maybe I'm effing deluding myself here, end quote, and describing to the other party what it would require for him to enter the race. Kerry posted a tweet in response to the NBC story that said he was not plotting entering and any report otherwise is effing or categorically false. He deleted that tweet and reposted it without the epithet. He later told NBC News, quote, 
This is a complete and total misinterpretation based on overhearing only one side of a phone conversation. A friend who watches too much cable called me wondering whether I'd ever jump into the race late in the game if Democrats were choosing an unelectable nominee. I listed all the reasons I could not possibly do that and would not and will not under any circumstances do that. Simone Sanders, a senior advisor to the Biden campaign, told NBC, Everyone knows that John Kerry is all in for us. Kids, don't make phone calls in public places. On Friday afternoon, the Democratic National Committee released its requirements for participating in the ninth candidate debate. And that opens the door for billionaire Bloomberg. The eighth debate is this Friday, February 7th in Manchester, New Hampshire. Candidates have to get at least one pledge delegate from today's caucuses or meet either a 5% national or early state threshold or a 7% state threshold in polls plus an individual donor threshold. Sanders, Biden, Buttigieg, Warren, Klobuchar, Yang, and Steyer have all qualified. And Gabbard still might. She has until February 6th. For the ninth debate, which takes place February 19th in Las Vegas, the DNC changed things up. Candidates can qualify by receiving at least one pledged delegate in Iowa or New Hampshire. The donor threshold has been removed. A candidate must receive 10% in four national or remaining early state polls from January 15th to February 18th, or 12% in two polls in Nevada or South Carolina. Removing the donor threshold opens the door to Bloomberg, who is refusing to accept any campaign donations. While he has crossed 10% in only one qualifying poll so far, he's been gaining through his heavy national spending. Klobuchar and Buttigieg could also get the uh, boot. They're both below 10% pretty consistently across all the national polls and well below 12% in South Carolina and Nevada polls. It is vital for each of them, therefore, to get a delegate in Iowa or New Hampshire, which also seems fairly key to them staying in the race until Super Tuesday, mostly because of the ability to keep raising money and spending on ads and campaign resources rather than any opinion about their viability. Costs rise dramatically for Super Tuesday, and without wins to rack up more support, they could be in real trouble. It also likely takes Yang out of the running to be in the ninth debate unless he has a post-Iowa surge. Steyer pulls low nationally in Iowa and in New Hampshire, but hit the state thresholds for the seventh and eighth debates due to heavy ad spending in Nevada and South Carolina. His last South Carolina polling was 12%, but that was conducted before the January 15th cutoff. Steyer was at just 8% in the last Nevada poll, also before that date. All this could result in the odd spectacle of Biden, Bloomberg, Sanders, and Warren as the only candidates in the ninth debate. For once, a very brief update on the impeachment. The House impeachment managers and Trump's defense teams are making closing remarks as I filed this podcast. Over the last few days, several Republican senators have admitted or stated outright that Trump's actions that led to impeachment were improper or worse but that the upcoming election will decide the matter. After closing remarks, each senator will have 10 minutes to speak from this afternoon through Wednesday to describe their vote or whatever they want, really. No earlier than Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is when we can expect the final vote on the articles. A supermajority is required to affirm either article, but it's impossible to see how the vote doesn't land with 53 Republicans voting against both articles and 45 to 47 of those in the Democratic caucus. It's just possible that Doug Jones of Alabama, facing a nearly unwinnable re-election, and Joe Manchin of West Virginia would vote with Republicans. 
And that's the election roundup for today. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. I am also on Twitter at Glenn F. That's G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank. Tune in tomorrow for a summary of the results of the Iowa caucuses. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant rest of your evening or afternoon.